Welcome to Stratford Mail, a production of Stratford Hall Historic Preserve, where we give voice to Stratford Hall's people, places, and past to engage, educate, and inspire. Find us on the web at stratfordhall.org. I'm Director of Research Dr. Gordon Blaine-Steffi. This month, we read a letter from a woman whose story remains mostly mysterious to us, about a woman quite well known to us. The letter carries a month and a day, but no year, and posts from Stratford Hall to Portobago in what was then Essex County, Virginia. Letters have an appeal that other forms of writing struggle to match. Their color and texture help us to descend from the stratospheric view of history to just over the shoulder of the writers who are neck-deep in living it. Part of the appeal of letters is that we recognize in even the most historically and culturally distant letter, ordinary human stuff, that looks a lot like our ordinary human stuff. During the 18th century revolutionary struggle, letter writing was a critical tool in the organization and coordination of resistance efforts and public onboarding, But letters continue to serve the mundane purpose of simply letting folks know about goings-on in the immediate orbit of the letter writer. Letters that survive the devastations of time, because of their connection to important persons or momentous events, don't necessarily escape unscathed. Persons and references once known stand just beyond the reach of knowledge. For now, frustrating and enticing researchers... This month's letter is ripe with both knowns and not-yet-knowns. To Miss Martha Corbin, Potabac. Stratford, September the 27th. Dear Miss, I gladly embrace this opportunity of writing to you to put you in mind that there is such a being as myself. I did not think you two would have slighted me so. Your little cousin Matilda was made a Christian the 25th of September. The godmothers was Mrs. Washington, Miss Becky Taylor, Miss Molly Washington. Miss Nancy Lawson stood proxy for Miss Nellie Lee, and I, for Mrs. Fauquier. Godfathers was Colonel Taylor, Mr. Robert Carter, Mr. Washington, Colonel Frank Lee, the Esquire. Mrs. Washington and your Aunt Lee Dessers their love to you. I am your very humble servant. Elizabeth Jackson The recipient of this letter, Martha Corbin, was the granddaughter of Richard Lee III of London, the older brother of Thomas Lee of Stratford. Martha received this letter at Portobago, her birth family's plantation on the south side of the Rappahannock River in what was Essex and now Carolyn County, a superhighway in the tobacco trade. The letter was preserved in Dr. Edmund Jennings Lee's 1895 publication, Lee of Virginia where he identifies letter writer Elizabeth Jackson as the housekeeper at Stratford, a claim that's difficult to corroborate because we have no independent confirmation of it. At the same time, Elizabeth's report on her proxy role in a home religious ritual suggests that she was a paid member of the Stratford household. Elizabeth May, and this is speculative, may have been born Elizabeth Fleming before marriage to Thaddeus Jackson, whose roots in Westmoreland County could well have brought the family into contact with the Lees. The letter is written in unpolished English, and it is difficult to know whether the word transcribed Dessers results from inability to decipher the original script or is some kind of shorthand native to Elizabeth. The letter nevertheless opens with a stern rebuke for Martha Corbin, 
Elizabeth reminds Martha, I exist, and your behavior hasn't been reflective of that. Apparently, their relationship was somewhat closer in the past than now, and Elizabeth has been surprised by what she perceives as a personal slight. I did not think that you two would have done this, she says, possibly indicating that others had behaved similarly. Is the slight a response to some change in Elizabeth's life? Is it somehow related to the christening she debriefs to Martha? These are among the not-yet-knowns. But Elizabeth spends more than half the letter on the christening of Martha's cousin, Matilda Ludwell Lee, daughter of Philip Ludwell Lee and Elizabeth Steptoe Lee, later Fendall, both of Stratford Hall. This helps us to date the letter. With only a few fascinating exceptions, to be Lee was to be Anglican, and Anglicans practiced infant baptism on the first or second Sunday after birth. Matilda was therefore a September baby. The year's unclear, likely 1766, but possibly as early as 1764. Like most elite families in Virginia, the sons and daughters of Stratford Hall received their Christian identities through baptism at home, in the Great Hall, which ran counter to a published 1632 statute. And all preachings, administering of the communion, baptizing of children, and marriages shall be done in church, except in cases of necessity. In 1719, the representative of the Bishop of London in the American colonies, the Reverend James Blair, complained of deviations from ideal practice, among which he listed, We are obliged to baptize at private houses. Lee family friend Colonel Landon Carter of Sabine Hall complained bitterly when Reverend Isaac Gibbon rejected his request for a home baptism. But why would baptism cause friction with the church? Because it decentered church power. It drained authority away from churches where ministers held sway and pooled it around the grand houses and working plantations where gentry, the Lees, the Washingtons, the Carters reigned supreme. Like another of Blair's deviations home burial, home baptism quietly but insistently suggested the household rather than the church was the headwater of Christian identity and practice. Matilda became a Christian in the Lee family home, on Lee family land, in a gown stitched by her grandmother, Hannah Ludwell Lee, and worn by her father, aunts, and uncles at their baptisms, and was ritually dipped in water held by a silver monteith or other luxury basin that belonged to the house of Lee, rather than the house of God. Matilda Ludwell Lee, I baptize thee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Home baptism cut across one of the big ideas behind baptism, namely that the household of birth is superseded by the household of God into which the infant is adopted. We yield thee hearty thanks, most merciful Father, that it hath pleased thee to regenerate this infant with thy Holy Spirit, to receive her for thine own child by adoption, and to incorporate her into thy holy church. The heartily thankful we spoken in the Great Hall of Stratford was narrower, less diverse than the we spoken at the nearby Pope's Creek Church. And we can scarcely glimpse behind either we the multiracial, multireligious society that Virginia already was. Baptism at home affirmed and reinforced the social order into which Matilda was born. 
Baptism represented not just a spiritual rebirth, but a social birth, an opportunity for family, friends, and allies to gather and to forge and temper social networks that nourished elite families in the colony. Blood, business, and politics were reflected and foreshadowed in the roster of godparents who promised the presiding minister to steer Matilda on the Christian path. The Washingtons of Bushfield, the Talos of Mount Airy, the Carters of Nominee Hall, Catherine, wife to Francis Fauquier, Lieutenant Governor of Virginia Colony, Matilda's uncle, Francis Lightfoot Lee, soon to be married to Matilda's godparent, Miss Becky Taylor, and cousin Richard Lee of nearby Lee Hall, all stand godparent in person or by proxy to baby Matilda. The network of her father's relationships now embraced her. The Anglican Christianity she imbibed was no immediate threat to the social order from which she would profit and others would suffer. What must Elizabeth Jackson have thought? Elizabeth, who just in that moment was submerged in the identity of another, Catherine Fauquier, what must she have thought of the advantage, affluence, and influence concentrated in that great hall? Perhaps even then she was thinking about how to pique Martha Corbin's attention with news of this great event. But perhaps she was thinking how beautiful baby Matilda looked in her grandmother's linen gown, or perhaps her mind strayed to her duties during the sumptuous feasting that must inevitably follow this ritual, her long day ahead. But for these few lines to Martha Corbin, Elizabeth Jackson is lost in thought. Through Matilda's marriage to her cousin Henry Lee III, known as Light Horse Harry of the Continental Army, the Lees of Stratford and the Lees of Leesylvania will join, and Stratford becomes the birthplace of Robert Edward Lee through Harry's second wife, but that's a topic for a different day. Thank you for following Stratford Mail. From Stratford Hall Historic Preserve in Westmoreland County, Virginia, where the linen gown in which Matilda was baptized is now on exhibit, I'm Director of Research, Dr. Gordon Blaine Steffi. Do more than just listen. Become an active participant with Stratford Hall through a contribution to help support podcasts like Stratford Mail. Contribute online at stratfordhall.org forward slash support dash Stratford.